This is episode three of the Rising Man podcast with Phil Gomez. Here we go. Welcome back, everybody, to the Rising Man podcast. I am your host and creator of the podcast, Jetty Azuma, and I'm so excited for this episode today. This is a really, really special one in my heart because I brought on a really special man today by the name of Phil Gomez. Let me tell you a little bit about Phil. First of all, he's a physical therapist, he's a movement specialist, and he's an overall master of the human body. He spent the last decade of his life learning how to make the body perform optimally and teaching others how to do that for themselves. He also is heavily involved in indigenous Native American ceremonies, so he really brings a beautiful perspective of the body, the mind, and the spirit together into the same conversation. Right now, he's on a mission to create immersive outdoor experiences for men that connect them to their mind, body, and spirit, as well as their mission in life. Beyond all of those things, all of those qualities, Phil has been my best friend ever since we met 14 years ago, and we've just been on so many incredible adventures in this life together. So I'm really excited to share him with all of you guys and to dive into his wisdom because he carries a beautiful wisdom with him in this life. Just to give you guys a couple of highlights, we covered why, as men, we choose to live behind a mask, even with our closest friends, and why it's important as men to hold each other accountable. We're going to talk about how you can uncover blind spots by being on a men's team or sitting in men's circles. Also, enrolling your romantic partner in your life vision. We discuss victimhood and why it's important to get past it. And lastly, the secret weapon to becoming a solid man and accessing the source of your power. So much good stuff on this episode, guys. Buckle your seatbelts, sit tight, and enjoy this one. How you doing, bro? What's up? What's up? I'm doing great today, man. Thanks for having me on the show, bro. Yeah. How, how is the weather up there in Tahoe right now? Oh, man, it is pretty crazy. It's about 55 degrees. Uh, they're calling it January up here. It makes no sense <laughs> at all, but uh, still was able to get some snowboarding in this morning, get a couple turns in for a few hours before uh, being here with you. So beautiful day nonetheless. So you snowboarding in t-shirts up there or, or is that not etiquette? You know, I'm, I'm not that brave i saw a couple people with some skimpy outfits outfits out there but uh you know i'm a little bit more on the conservative side <laughs> <laughs> yeah right i i don't know about conservative side i know you better than that <laughs> um well listen man i appreciate you taking some time out of your day to be here with us and you know i one of the things i really want to dig into is a little bit about our story because one of the things I'm always surprised to find out is how difficult it is for some men these days, especially men our age in their 20s and 30s, to identify a real best friend, to identify someone that they confide everything in, that they share just the full experience of not just being a man, but being an adult, being on the journey, going through the tough times and the amazing times. And I know you've been that for me and we've gotten to be that for each other. So, um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm looking to share a bit about our story and, and for the benefit of the people who are listening today. So let's start off just by giving a little bit of context. Um, so we met back in college and we've back, so that was back about 13, 14 years ago now. And, uh, at that point we were, we were pretty rough, weren't we? 
Yeah, pretty. We were a rough duo, that's for sure. Definitely uh, <laughs> unpolished, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, uh, you got you could tell them a little bit about what I was like. Why don't you? Why don't we do that? Why don't you tell them a little bit about what I was like when you first met me? <laughs> yeah. So back when we started uh, Ithaca College, what was that? Oh five. Um, mm-hmm. I was seventeen year old, years old back then. So the first time I uh, I met you, Jetty, you know, you looked like uh, straight off a of Jersey Shore. You know, he was like <laughs> Jetty had like uh, you know he had like the tight button up on. He was like a muscle man. You know uh totally and my first thought I was like oh god this guy is totally just into himself you know definitely don't want to get to know that guy <laughs> so glad I was proven wrong you know big difference from now yeah. that's for sure yeah man and on the flip side I don't think I got a word out of you for the first six months of our relationship you were the you were the quiet type the strong and silent type <laughs> I was extremely shy back back then I don't know what happened now I'm an animal so <laughs> That's right. We can't shut you up. But the point was, is that we were both uh, very unpolished young versions of ourselves. And, and I think we met at a time, I'm sure you would agree, where we were both getting ready to charge into that that life, that journey to becoming a man. But we had no idea what we were getting into. Absolutely, man. I mean, talk about like 17 years old, leaving uh, for me, like leaving my house for the first time, really leaving my parents and uh go into a place that I'd never been before, you know, Ithaca, New York. And, uh, you know, first time living on living alone, um, without that like parental guidance. So it's like totally the beginning stages of like a Joseph Campbell hero story right there, you know? Yeah. That's, that's actually a great place to start. So what, what was some of the, the feelings or the memories you had back then when you were first stepping out, stepping out from under the wing, so to speak, and heading into a big adventure like college? Yeah, man, you know, there, there was so such a big mix of emotions. I mean, I think one, like just the societal expectation of like, you know, to be excited, like finally away from my parents, you know, I'm going to party and meet girls and like, you know, just be free, like completely be free. So, you know, there was there was definitely like that aspect of it. And I think the one that I didn't share as much with people was, uh, you know, the fear, just like this fear of um, the fear of the unknown, fear of something completely new, fear of like, you know, I'm gonna have to feed myself and wash my own clothes and like, you know, wake myself up for class, all these things that I was just like, not in the in the practice of doing, you know, so there's definitely like a deep seated fear, which, uh, you know, I really chose to not show as much. You know, I don't know if you could relate to that. You're just like this fearless Superman. So <laughs> it's funny, man. I was as you were speaking, I was just thinking to myself, not having any idea that everyone else was just as scared as I was back then. But how little we really talked about, it. <laughs> you know, I, I, I mean, I remember, I mean, even you, you know, we, we became best friends very quickly. But even you, I, there was a lot that I had a hard time sharing with you back then. And part of this journey in our brotherhood and our friendship, I think, has been learning how we can support each other when we get really honest and authentic you know would would you agree with that would totally agree with that man you know there's like a certain element of like you know you just got you got to take your mask off with those people that you feel safe um secure that you confide in and until you get to that like level of rawness or that level of really just allowing yourself to be vulnerable like you really can't get the support that you need 
So it really, you know, it takes that level of trust. Yeah, man. I love that you mentioned the word mask. That's becoming quite a uh, quite a popular term uh, socially right now. You know, Lewis Howes just released that book, The Mask of Masculinity, which is a great read. I recommend everyone check that out. Um, there's a documentary documentary called The Mask We Live In, all about boys and how much they suppress. So uh, really interesting, reflecting back to those times when we first met, and we were both very much living behind those masks, very much even from each other, two people, you know, mm-hmm. when we had a good foundation of trust with each other, still concealing a lot. I- I'm kind of interested as we're reflecting back, what would you say was the reason that you felt you needed to conceal that and, and not really share with me or anyone else the depths of what you're experiencing? Hmm. You know, that's that's a great question. I, I can think of like a couple things. Um, you know, I don't know if there's really just one cause. I mean, I think for one, it's like there's an at that time and even now still, but at that time, there was like a certain image that I wanted to portray, you know, like, I guess I could think of it as like, you know, think of like one of my favorite movies or something like, oh, man, I really like that character, you know, so it's like Mm -hmm. I was trying to be that character, you know, and at that time it was like the cool guy or nothing, you know, nothing bothers me. Nothing. I'm not phased by anything like cool, common collected, um, you know, all those things. So by actually like sharing, you know, even with someone like you, who I even at that time considered my best friend was, would like really compromise that, uh, that facade that I was trying to put on that character that I was trying to play, you know? So I think out of all things, that was probably the that like fear of looking bad, the fear of looking weak, the fear of looking not cool was like, was way too great for me to take a chance of actually uh, sharing what I needed and, you know, getting taken care of. Yeah, man, it's such a critical point. It's so important because I think that that fear of looking bad, like you said, I think you really hit the nail on the head because there's so much built up around our image and how we think people are going to receive us. Um, I'm interested to hear what you think is is tied to that. What what did you think would be the cost or the consequence of looking bad to to myself or anyone else? Yeah, I guess uh, if I'm trying to tap back into like the consequences, the consequences I thought of at like 17, 18 years old, it was probably like you know I'm finally at this new place and I have a chance to like redefine myself and be the person I want. And, you know, the risk was not being that person kind of being, you know, I guess the, for me, even to this day, the biggest fear always goes to like being blackballed, you know, being like cast out people, not wanting to associate themselves with me, not wanting to have anything to do with me at all. You know, I guess like getting kicked out of the tribe more, more or less, if you think of it in primal ways, you know, that was like, I would say that still is probably the deepest seated, fear. Mm, I love that you said that, man. And and we're even finding out that biologically, you know, we kind of forget to look at ourselves as humans, as animals and, you know, other animals and in their biology, it's all about survival. It's about survival and reproduction. So especially going back to those days as a college student, it's like, I got to survive and I got to try and get some girls. <laughs> it's like kind of the two things going through a, a young adolescent man's mind um, <laughs> yep. before we really start to integrate, you know, before we really start to integrate so that I think that wound for belonging, that that need for belonging and that wound that comes from a sense of not belonging to, to a community, to a people, to anything, to a team, to uh, a club is something that 
I think it's becoming more and more of an issue for young people nowadays, especially with technology, putting distance between real relationships. So it's actually kind of interesting to look back because when, when you and I were in college, the technology was, it was just starting to come around. I remember, I remember getting Facebook when I first got to college and I had no idea what it was or what it was for. And now, you know, I, I get, I have my 10 and 12 year old cousins and nieces and nephews hit me up on Facebook and they know how to use it better than I do. So it's a uh, changing times for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just another part of the equation of like a way to portray yourself in the way that uh, you want to, you know, social media is the perfect. It's like almost the, the exact idea of what it is to like play a character or choose what people see. Right. Mm. So it's like the epitome, the, the like exact opposite of being vulnerable. And uh, I think there's some really interesting stuff going on now, you know, like, like a lot of your posts, for example, where people are starting to use that, that space for, uh, for being vulnerable and for, you know, bringing transformation in lives in people's lives. Uh, but that definitely was not happening, you know, in, uh, in college, you know, freshman year of college. So, yeah, there you go. And that brings, that brings up a great point, man. And, uh, I, you know, so we've kind of identified the problem is that as young people, as young men, where we're just fighting for survival, we're fighting for, uh, our place, our piece of the pie and, and our place in community, um, what would let's look at the solution. What what are some of the things that you found that have led you out of that need to seek other people's approval? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the biggest, the biggest, biggest, biggest thing that led me out of that is the reward wasn't that great. <laughs> you know, I think that that's really you know that piece of cheese is actually much smaller than my own approval and like living my truth. Um, and, you know, so I think that was really the thing that finally came to a point that I was like, wow, it really is much more fulfilling, enjoyable. I get way more juiced up when I'm doing something that, uh, that's in alignment with what I'm passionate about and what I actually care about. And, you know, and now instead of other people's approval, because I, I do think that, others is a big part of what drives me. It's more like a service for others, you know? Mm-hmm. So for me, that's like been the way that I've been able to keep that motivation of a, of a game or something that's bigger than myself, but not putting it in, not putting my worth or value in other people's hands. That's awesome, man. I think that's something that a lot of, a lot of young guys really need to hear is that, um, there is another side of that journey. You know, there is a place where you don't need people's approval or validation to make you feel worthy, mm-hmm. to make you feel like you actually have something to offer. And you said a key word that I love, man. I love that you're the type of guy who talks about purpose. And so I think it's actually a great point to tra- a great opportunity to transition into purpose. And I- I'd love for you to share a little bit with the audience who's listening about your path and your journey to discovering your purpose. Like, what has that been like for you? That's a good question again, man. You're you're throwing zingers today, really making me think here. Um, <laughs> I should have chugged my coffee before I got on this call here. <laughs> no, but uh, you know, I think I love that you use path because it's totally been a journey and a process, and um, I'm still there. You know, I'm still I'm still on that journey and process, and I, as I continue to get older, I think I'll always be on it. You know, which is which I like. Um, But, you know, really in my what I've always looked for are the things that like 
I can pull an all-nighter on no without even questioning, you know, because that's anytime something gets me that juiced up, that like fired up, um, it's like it's just a no-brainer. It, it makes sense. So, you know, one of the first things that that ever was for me in life um, was like exercise and movement. So I was a big soccer player when I was in high school. Um, real quick story. I got injured. I went to the trainer at our school. She was taking care of me, you know, stretching me out. And I was like, oh, this stuff's pretty cool in here, you know. And then like I would read about injuries and then I would read about exercising and working out. And I was just doing all this. Like no one had to ask me to do that. No one had to like, you know, did you do your, you know, reading? Did you memorize your muscles today, Phil? It was like, there was none of that, you know? So that was like my first taste of, uh, of something that, you know, that I can consider purpose that I can consider uh, a passion. Um, so that was really the first time in my life that I, uh, had felt even faintly felt anything to do with purpose, you know? Um, and it felt really good. It felt really good because I, I would definitely at that time in my life, I would not characterize myself as a like purposeful driven young man. <laughs> not at all. You know, I was just like, I was kind of floating around, but when that thing hit, it hit hard. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I, I can totally relate to that. I've had a number of experiences myself and many of which I'll share at some point um, on this podcast. But uh, I want to focus in a little bit more on um, what are some of the things that uh, helped lead you in that direction? Or, or when, when you when you got that glimmer, that inspiration, and you started to have those things that you didn't, you didn't even watch the clock and time would just pass. What, what helped you to keep pursuing that? What are some of the qualities or the tools that helped lead you in that direction? Yeah, I think the what's kind of helped me continue down the path, because, of course, that's like we're talking 13 years ago now, you know, so what's kind of gotten me from there to here is starting to think of all the different pieces or all the different parts of the map that like light up that part of me, you know, so some of those things are, you know, the human body, uh, spirituality and ceremony and prayer, um, meditation, uh, wellness in general. And the outdoors and physical activity. So like all of those things have give me that juice. All those things like really just get me. It makes me it like feels what I imagine to feel like to like get ready to run out onto the field Super Bowl Sunday. You know, it's just like hype and amped up. So what's continued me down the path now is like really finding a way to draw the line that connects all the passions right? To, to put them all together. Cause for me, the dream is like, man, if just this thing and, and just this thing gives me all this energy and gives me all this focus and drive, like what would happen if I combined them together? Um, so that's been, that's been one big thing. So looking how I can combine them, which is still a work in progress for sure. And that's probably like the, I imagine that's like, uh, for me, that's a man's life's work right there. Um, so that's one step. And then the other step is, again, going back to the service aspect of it is uh, really how are the things that uh, how is my purpose helping others? And when I see how it is, when I, you know, when I'm working with a patient one on one and we're doing some, you know, doing some movement work and physical therapy and wellness work and I see them get parts of their life back, I see them, you know, move forward. That's like, that juices me up all over again, 
you know, so that service aspect really allows for the longevity and allows for pushing through when it might be a little difficult. Mm, that's awesome, man. And that actually kind of leads me into something I wanted to ask you about is uh, values. You know, I, I, I know you really well, but for those who don't know you and who are listening, um, how do how do the values and, and maybe you have different words for this, but I, I kind of think of it as a, a code of values or virtues that I'm beginning to use to, to lead my life now. Um, how does that play into to your pursuit of purpose and in the work that you're doing in your life? Uh, for me, values and ethics are, they're the compass, you know, there's just like, you know, just how I was able to list those things that are important to me, um, or those things that I, that I find purpose in. It's like, I didn't always know what those things were, but I did always know the kind of person that I wanted to be or the kind of person that I am, which, and those are the, are what the values are for me. Those are like the the bricks and the foundation of who I am as a man, you know? So some of those things for me are honesty, you know, integrity, mm -hmm. um, hardworking mm. and, you know, kind of like this, which kind of goes with hardworking, but this like never say die attitude, mm. um, you mm -hmm. know, those are kind of, and there, there's more, uh, but those I would, those are like the, the first four that come up in my mind that, like, you know, that I, I won't sell out on. And if I do, mm -hmm. if I do, like I'm going to someone like you, what my best friend and saying, Hey dude, I, I really screwed up here. I, you know, I kind of went against one of the biggest things that are most important to me and I need some help, you know, um, which is where besties really come in, come in handy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man i i can attest to that we, we've checked each other on more things over the years than i can even keep track of so it's 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 important to have someone like that as the sounding board as the mirror that lets you know and when, when you're off mm -hmm. and, and, and isn't afraid not to call you out but to call you forward to call you forward into your best self and i i've always appreciated that about you and especially the the relationships i've cultivated at this point in my life with other men it's mm -hmm. it's 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 important yeah, it really is, man. I would definitely say for me, that's been one of, uh, you know, we're talking about our brotherhood throughout the years. I would say that's the one thing that I am so grateful for. And especially it's evolution over the years, because, you know, when we're, when we're 17, 18, 19, it's kind of more of this, like, you don't call me on mine. I won't call you on yours, you know? And then as we get <laughs> older, it's just like, Hey man, Jetty, you're not being the best man you can be. Jetty, you're falling short here, here, and there. Phil, you're screwing up here, here, and there. And it's like, I need to hear it from you. And and for me, it's just like, all right, dust it off. And now, now I can move forward. That's great, man. I'd actually love for you to weigh in a little bit more on that. Because uh, we've talked about that many times, you know, in the past when we would let each other, let each other off the hook or, you know, let each other hide out. Uh, I'm wondering, why do you think that we did that? Or, or even better, why did you do that for me at that point in your life mm -hmm. looking back? For sure. I think I, it really, I think goes back to like not wanting to ruffle feathers or not wanting to, uh, not wanting to make you not like me anymore. Right. Mm. Um, I tell you, Hey, Jetty, you know, you're, that was wrong, you know, or that goes against what you, what you said is important to you. 
right? And then, you know, you go, well, screw you, Phil, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, so I guess at that time, my fear of calling you was, or calling you out was that fear of like losing you as a friend, right? And mm-hmm. that, at that time, that was more me looking good and me having you as a friend was more important to me than you being the best man you could be. Yeah, man. I, I don't know if I could set it better myself. I, I had the same feelings at that time that, you know, if, if I call Phil on something and, and it gets uncomfortable, then maybe we won't be friends anymore. And, and what will I do if I don't have my best buddy to go to the gym with or to go to parties with? And there was just a lot at stake then. And even even though there was a, a strong bed of trust in our relationship, it it wasn't something that we did. And it's something that I know we've had to learn how to do over the years. And talking to other men, a lot of guys don't have those relationships, don't have someone that can really like lay you out and say, hey, man, you committed. You said that this is the type of person you are. And that's that's not what I'm seeing. And on the receiving end, to be able to say, you know what? Like, yeah, I, I trust you. Mm-hmm. I value your input and your mirror. And I know that you have my best interests in mind. So I'm going to take that feedback and really, really take it in and see what I can do better. So we, we've we've come a long way on that journey, haven't we? For sure, man. Really, really, really have, which uh, I'm forever grateful for because I can easily say I wouldn't be the man that I am today without that, uh, without that mirror, without you being that, that sounding board and without you calling me on what I need to be called out on. Likewise, man. It's, it's been a true value in my life. Um, shifting gears a little bit, I, you know, I'd like to look at some of the stuff that wasn't always so pretty because, <laughs> you know, we definitely, you know, you don't go through 14 years of friendship and not have some, some dips. So, you know, we talked a little bit before we got on the call here about, um, one thing that used to get in, in the way of our relationship was this element of competition. And, uh, I'd love to hear you weigh in a little bit on that, what the experience was like for you. And, and why do you think that comes up in relationships between guys? Oh man, that's a, uh... Uh, this is one I am still like mulling over, you know, <laughs> years later, uh, because I would say we're, we're not our, the competition between us now is way healthier. Um, but, you know, I think thinking like back then, um, you know, I think so much of it was we were such similar guys, you know, similar backgrounds, similar values. Um, similar interests, you know, both playing soccer, both weightlifting, both being physical therapy students, you know, there were so many similar similarities that it was like, it almost at that time, especially, it almost was like, would be more insane to not not compare us, you know, so Mm. I think, um, I think there was that. And the other thing that I've really come to come to see was that I had such a high respect for you. And I did not have that equal respect for myself. So mm. because I didn't have that respect for myself as a man at that time, um, I that I felt threatened or I felt like I had to be better than you or I felt like, you know, I had to like, yeah, be a step ahead. You know, so I th- but so as I've thought about, it, I really think that lack of respect for myself while having such a high respect and regard for you is like the, I think that's like the bottom line. <laughs> oh man, that's, that's solid gold right there because I, I would wager everything I've got that that shows up in, in just about every relationship between men who are close and know each other well. Um, so yeah, man, that's, that's a tremendous one uh, to point out right there. So um, 
you know, thinking about competition between between friends, what do you, in what ways do you think that was actually helpful? You know, why in what ways did competition between the two of us benefit benefit us in the long run? Mm-hmm. I think uh, I mean in general, I. I've read a lot of stuff about competition and I've heard a lot of stuff about competition. How it sits for me is I think there definitely is healthy competition because it, there is some sort of external factor in this case, a friend that is pushing you to be a better, a better man, you know, pushing you to be a better person. Um, You know, and I think, you know, there's, I think as a society, as a culture, we put a lot of value on like this intrinsic drive, this like drive that comes from within, like I become a better man solely because I want to be a better man. Right. Mm. Which, uh, I mean, I think there's some unicorns out there that can just like tell that's all they need. And like, they'll go, uh, you're pretty close to that. I would say you're, you're one of the most <laughs> intrinsically driven people I know. And I, I really mean that from the day I met you, uh, fresh off the Jersey shore, <laughs> <laughs> but you know this uh, this this idea of like healthy competition and really having this en- extrinsic drive of uh, man, I see like you know, geez, Jetty's getting like A's on these tests, like I can do that, or you know, Jetty's benching two twenty five here, like I got to keep pushing and stepping up my game, you know. So it really uh, just sharpened the edge more and more. So I think that aspect is was really beneficial. Right on, man. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that that's exactly the element. You know, I, what I was able to see in you that I wanted for myself drove me to to work harder, to push more because I didn't want to get left in the dust. You know, I wanted to be running right alongside you. I wanted to be, you know, lifting as much weight as you and, you know, have, be as be as popular with other people as you did. And, you know, there there's two sides to it. There's the side that was, like you said just a minute ago about, um, trying to fill that void, that that lack of love or respect or appreciation I had for myself, um, with something that I saw or seemed to earn that earned you that for, from other people. So mm-hmm. I would try to replicate those things, wh- whatever it was, whether it was you know how how well you played soccer or how smooth you were with the ladies, whatever, <laughs> whatever it was. I, I I would try to I would try to embody that because, like you said, I, I respected it about you and I wanted it for myself. So. It's really good insight, man. And I think it also comes down to context, you know, the context of the relationship that, you know, just because you do something better than me doesn't mean that we can't be friends or it makes me less than. It just gives me the inspiration to say, hey, thank God I got a, a guy on my team who can do this that well that I can learn from, that mm-hmm. I get to to grow and, and, and build with. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. so that's really good, man. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with team, right? Because I know for me, and this is true to this day, that all of my um, male friends, like especially like close, close male friends, the guys that I take my mask off with and that I get, you know, really get deep with um, those, all of those guys have strengths, have skills, have assets that I, I would say are greater than me in certain areas. You know, they just have their gifts that I really respect and admire. And by me formulating my team of men who have different strengths in, in different areas. Um, it's like, that's like my version of surrounding myself with people that I can always learn something from. Right. And people that I can strive to be like, and you know, uh, I hope for the same that the, my skills and assets are something that I can teach and model for them as well. 
Mm, that's awesome, man. Let's actually talk a little bit about that. Um, this idea of a men's team, you know, um, something that I've shared before is that I, I'm a part of a men's team. I've, I've been part of a men's team for the past five years, ever since I moved out to California. And that's been pivotal in my growth. Like you said, just to, to have a circle of men who will tell me what's going on, tell me how it is, point out my blind spots. And uh, you and I have been fortunate to do that with each other for many years. But the, the context of a men's team and, and a circle of men that are there for that specific purpose, I think is different. It's a level up that I don't, I don't know many men have that in their lives. So could you just say a little bit about what that's been for you and um, what you think uh, would, how it would benefit other men to create something like that? Mm-hmm. Oh man, it's, uh, you know, I've been on a men's team for two years now. So you know, if I look at my life before men's team and after, um, I, I guess the easiest way to put it is like in the last two years, I have become exponentially more self-aware of, of what I, I would call my Achilles heels. I have multiple, so I'll say heels, <laughs> uh, you know, my ugly, my, uh, just my, my shortcomings as a man you know, uh, which is just like that awareness for me, especially like just knowing that it's there and knowing that other people can see it, you know, even though I, sometimes I think I'm really good at hiding it, like other people can see it. Um, that has been the, the driving force of me continuing, you know, knowing where not only wanting to be a better man, but knowing where to work on, like what areas I need to work on in order to become a better man. Cause one thing's the concept or the idea of improving myself. Um, and the other thing is like knowing the actual spots that need to be curated, the spots that need to be renovated and worked on. Um, so that's been one really, really huge thing that I've gotten from the team. Um, and also it's been a big practice for me, um, similar to like when we were friends being younger, um, it's been a big, pra- big practice for me in, being truthful and giving it to people straight so that they can continue to better themselves. And so that they, you know, so I can be of service for them in that way. Um, so put, you know, put aside that part of me that wants to be like, I just want to be friends and buddy, buddy and cool with everyone, you know, so I'm not going to like, you know, bring that up, put my comfort to the side for the service of someone else. Mm, that's awesome, man. And that's huge. I know we both had to overcome that obstacle in our relationship. Can you actually say a little bit more about uh, what helps you to show up for me or anyone else in your life that way? Uh, whereas, you know, a decade ago, it was it was hard for us to call each other forward on those things. Oh, man. You know, I think what really helped me, and it's funny because this is recent, you know, is uh, I think you having a kid, man. You know, what, what really has helped me is like you having a kid, you having a wife, because those things have helped me see that who you are as a person and you being at the top of your game is affects more than just yourself. Right. So if if I can help you in some way, if, if I can serve you by like giving what I see um, in order to get you back to your 120%, um, no, that doesn't mean anymore that like, all right, Jenny's good. Now it means like Sitka, Sitka is good. Now it means Carrie's good. You know, now it means your legacy is good. You know, if we're going to expand it out 
bigger. So that's what's really changed for me is I've been able to see it as bigger than just you as a man and to you as your your family. Yeah, man, I love that you say that because I feel 100% the same way. And I think when we were younger, we just don't have the capacity to think about how much our actions ripple out beyond ourselves. And I would say that that's a large part of the journey um, towards becoming a man is becoming more more aware, just more aware of how my actions impact others. And so, you know, to see a man like yourself at a, a stage where you recognize that how I show up impacts my family, impacts whoever my family impacts, and these ripples go worldwide. So I, I love that, man. I'm glad that you shared that with with the with the guys who are listening, especially the younger guys, man. A, a lot of what we're reviewing on this on this interview here has so much to benefit those of you guys out there who are figuring out how to be an adult, how to be a man, how to embrace the challenges that come in life. So, uh, you know, and I've, I've witnessed so much of what you've been through in your life. So I wanted to see if you'd be willing to share with with the listeners one of the biggest challenges that you've been through in your life, um, how it served you and uh, and and what you did to persevere in the face of that challenge. <laughs> All right. So let's see. I think, um, you know, I, I guess I would have to say the biggest challenge in my life thus far has been moving from New York to California. Uh, you know, two years ago, I moved from my, my then girlfriend and I, we moved from New York City, drove across the country, and moved to Ojai with uh, you and your wife, and then three-month-old child, you know, so it's funny because the drive was really easy. Uh, we had a place to land when we got there, and we had I had a job, so, you know, and what I'm thinking is, man, I'm good. You know, I'm prepared. I, you know, I did everything I had to do. We're just going to land there and it is going to be like totally fine. You know, life's going to be gravy on the gravy train in sunny California. And I, I was completely wrong. <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> we got there. Um, my girlfriend at that time, now she's my fiance. She, uh, she hated it. You know, it was a huge transition. I was now commuting one hour to and from work every day. I just wasn't home that much. She was in a place that she, where she wasn't happy. Um, I had, was having an extremely hard time just seeing her side of the whole situation. You know, so I'm like, you know, for me, I'm just like, oh, I'm being a man. I'm bringing home money. I'm, uh, you know, I'm doing, I got us this place to live in. You know, I'm doing everything I need to do. Um, and I was just getting, you know, getting the earful, a foot in my butt every night. You know, she she was pissed, man. Um, and that was really, really, really difficult because what I, after like really looking back into that, you know, what I've come to realize is uh, that was like the first time in my life where I was making a life-changing decision that was, that involved more than just myself, you know. And mm -hmm. in leading up to that decision, I very well may have like not, not been the best listener to what she needed, you know, and I also may have not been the best communicator of what like my intentions were. Um, so, you know, with that breakdown in communication and with that, uh, <clears throat> you know, with that turmoil, you know, uh, she ended up moving 
you know? So she was gone for a few months. Uh, we were like on a break. I was like, you know, I was just like, I was losing it, man. Um, and what I also learned is I was able to establish my values and like, really it, it was a test in like, okay, Phil, what's important to you, you know? And at that time, what was really important to me was, and clear to me, it was that like, I have to keep my job as a physical therapist and I have to continue to make and save money because like I can see right now that this is just temporary and there's going to be a next move. There's going to be a next step. Um, so on top of all that, knowing what's important to me, the other thing that was important to me, very important to me was having the woman that I love by my side and what was missing the biggest, biggest thing that was missing where I screwed up the most is I did not enroll her in my vision. I did not, you know, I kind of like was like, oh, babe, would it be awesome to move to California? And oh, awesome. We got somewhere to stay and I got a job. Let's go. You know, I didn't enroll her past that. So once we got to California, I started the job and we moved in. It was just like, okay, now what? You know, <laughs> so that and that's like, you know, and the vision doesn't necessarily just have to be mine. It could be ours, but, you know, it, it is my job to to enroll her in and like, you know, this is tough right now, babe, but it's going to, you know, it's going to get better. You know, this is where we're going. This is where we both want to go. So, you know, that, that was kind of how I made it through that tough time. And now we're engaged and super happy and we live in Santa Barbara, still live with you. I don't know how that happened, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, we, we figure out how to persevere. There, there's so much good stuff in what you just said there. Um, one of the things is, do you think that you could have gotten clear on what your values were and what mattered most to you had you not gone through such a big breakdown? No, it, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be at all, man. I mean, I'm so, cause I didn't know those things were very important to me before, you know, I, I had no idea, man. Um, and I've never, you know, and why should I, I've never moved across the country with a, with a serious partner. You know, I'd never really done it. She was also the first woman that I ever moved in with, you know? So it's like, uh, we, we had lived together in New York before all that, but needless to say, it's just like, there was so many firsts that the, it's like, you can't, you can't prepare for these things, you know, past a certain point. It's like, you gotta go through the, you gotta go through the gauntlet to come out stronger. You know, I, the, my favorite quote, well, I have many favorite quotes, but one of my favorite quotes is like, uh, a smooth sea never made a great sailor. <laughs> That's a good one. So I was just like, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, man. And, you know, I think some sometimes I know myself, I was raised on the principle of crisis aversion, you know, try to avoid crisis whenever possible. And I think instead of crisis aversion, it's actually more to, it's more important to focus on crisis preparation because things are going to happen. That's inevitable. I mean, mm -hmm. if, if you're standing, if you're standing on two feet and you're 20, 30, 40, 50 years old, you've been through some things, at least a couple. So, um, so yeah, man, I think what, what you shared in your story really reveals how, how important it is to just embrace challenge and it doesn't make it easy, but it is necessary for us to go through those things to become who we're meant to be. Yeah. Yeah, man. I think that's, that's really key, you know, and for me, the biggest difference of, that I see for myself from being a boy to being a man is like when challenge arises, that amount of time where I make myself a victim 
is very, 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 very small if it's existent anymore. You know, whereas when I was a boy, I spent a long time being a victim and then I started to step into solution, you know, where now it's like, you know, maybe I'll like puff and puff for a sec. And then it's like, all right, let's get to let's let's get to solution mode, you know, or at least let's start moving forward. Um, so that's been, you know, that's been a big change. Yeah, that's actually a great one. I didn't even know we were going to go there. But Vic, this idea of victimhood, I, I'm sure that many people who are accustomed to being in victimhood or, or making themselves out to be the victim may not even know what that means. So can you s- speak a little bit more about that and, and what you've learned about it? Yeah, you know, for me, the biggest thing about the what it is to make yourself a victim is to be is like the woe is me is like the what I think of, you know, why is this happening to me? Uh, why, why me, why me, why me, you know, so, you know, you lose your job and it's like, why me, um, you know, so, and the, pro- for me, the problem with that is it doesn't move you forward. Right. Um, so for example, what if, if I did lose my job and I'm just saying, you know, oh, my boss is a jerk. I can't believe this is happening to me. This is ridiculous. You know, I might not, stop and think about, man, you know, okay, I really could have shown up on time more often, you know, um, that's an important thing. I really could have like gone above and beyond, you know, different things like that. Um, so that's like one of the big problems I see with being a victim. And I think it's, uh, it's a pattern just like anything else, man. So it's, it really takes some practice and awareness to call out, call yourself out when you're being a victim. Mm. Yeah, man, it sure does. It, it it doesn't it doesn't get easy. I think it just gets to be something that you have a little more awareness on. I know for myself, um, a lot of the way I was raised, just culturally in my family, had a lot to do with with victimhood and just you know weaving a story that says my life is hard and things are happening to me that um, that I'm not responsible for. And I feel like that's the opposite of what I've learned about when it comes to being a man that. I'm responsible for everything in my life. And that puts me in the position of being the solution to all the problems that come my way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I, I, the one thing that's coming up for me that I also just like want to say to the men out there is that like, definitely, I don't think you're saying this and I know I'm not saying this is like, I'm not saying you got to take all emotion out of it and you just have to be a drone machine. You know, I, I don't think you know, because a lot of times, especially for young men, you know, society is like suppressing their their emotions and stuff like that. So that's not what I'm saying. You know, like, for example, earlier this year, my beautiful Toyota Tacoma, I love my white truck, you know, randomly this happened out of nowhere, went to went to get an oil change, huge crack in the frame, can't be fixed. It's can't sell it. You know, it's just like a dud, you know. So for me in that moment, I was like, I was pissed. I was like, you know, I couldn't believe it. You know, I, I was definitely like huffing and puffing. Um, so, you know, there was emotion there. And I mean, you can attest to this pretty soon, you know, a couple hours later, it's like, okay, I'm making phone calls. I'm trying to figure asking people what they think. I'm trying to find a solution, you know? So like, I, I guess the biggest thing I'm trying to say is the emotion is still there, but you're not mm. paralyzed by it. Yeah. I, I can totally relate to that, man. Uh, I know how much you love that truck and, and you'd only owned it for like a year, maybe a little over a year. So that was, that was heartbreaking, man. But, um, you know, that's, I think that's exactly the point. It just kind of echoes the point that 
things like that are going to happen. We're going to lose trucks. We're going to lose family members. We're going to lose jobs. We're going to have things that happen that we would rather not <laughs> have to deal with. Um, and the sooner that we can turn it into something that benefits us, that how does this serve me? How does this help me um, become a better man, um, learn a new skill? Uh, what were some of the things that you had that, that you had to learn how to do when when your truck broke down? Oh, man. Uh, when my truck broke down, let's see what I had to learn how to do. I had to I had to be on point with my phone calls. You know, I was calling uh, I was calling probably every mechanic in Santa Barbara. You know, I was calling my my dad and his friends. He's got a lot of mechanic friends seeing what they thought, um, you know, on the on the Internet, seeing if there's any recalls, you know. So my resourcefulness was like out like out of the roof. You know, I was just like I was so on it, you know, and then from there it, it came to start to have a vision, you know, OK, well, like, uh, what am I going to do next? I can't keep the truck. Am I going to get another truck? Am I going to get this? You know, started I started uh, looking at my finances more carefully and closely. OK, this is what I actually have to spend. Um, this is what, you know, I can save up in the next couple months. You know, so all of these aspects of just like adulting, you know, I just, I just had to do more and it was just like magnified, you know? So again, all these things that like, I've never really had to do under the microscope, uh, you know, specifically because I'm a home care physical therapist is, is my main source of income. So it's, I kind of need a car for that to go to people's houses. So that's why, <laughs> you know, that's why it was such a, you know, that's why I was under the crucible there. Mm. Yeah, man, I remember watching you in that time, and I was I was amazed at just the the moves that you were pulling that I, I've never seen you pull before. <laughs> and you know, if if uh, if the if the adversary doesn't show up, then the hero doesn't have a have a chance to to rise. And uh, so, yeah, man, that's a, that's a really great point. I'm glad you shared that um, for all these for all these guys out there. You know, whether you're a young guy just learning how to go through challenges, or you're a guy who's been through a bunch already, because uh, I know I I forget all the time that the challenges and the things I'm going through serve me and, and trying to shed that victimhood we talked about before is like, it's like an ongoing, ongoing journey, ongoing adventure. Um, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you specifically was uh, what, what is one or two things that you wish you knew back when you were uh, a teenager or a young 20 year old that would have served you now, because, uh, uh, you know, my intention is that young guys will be listening to this and, and just to hear some of that wisdom from an older man who's been through it, I think would be really helpful. All right. So one thing that I would have told my younger self is, uh, is, you know, you're going to make mistakes. So make them. F and make them, man. I don't. I don't know what this uh, podcast is rated, so I'll I'll keep it. Uh, I'll keep it PG here. But you know, make the mistakes. There's so many times in my life, and it's to this day. It just doesn't happen as much that like I didn't do things because I was scared of messing up. You know, so many times that that happened, and it's just like, you know, it's under this like BS idea that like I can make it through life flawlessly. You know, I can make it through life, like just being perfect and not making mistakes and not messing up, you know? So I was like, I was reading something the other day that was talking about, uh, you know, the quantity versus quality, you know, and how we usually, we typically think quality is like way better. And a lot of times it is, but a lot of times we overlook the amount of quality we can actually get through quantity. 
So for example, if I'm like carving, uh, carving something out of a piece of wood, you know, I can spend a hundred hours on one piece of wood, or I can spend an hour on a hundred pieces of wood. And what they're starting to show is that like the hundredth piece is going to look better than that one that I spent a hundred hours on. Right. So, and I just say that to say like, you know, young Phil, do that thing that you think you're going to mess up on and mess up and learn and then do it again, you know, and, uh, and keep, and keep doing, keep trying those uncomfortable, um, difficult things because that's just going to like, that's going to make you a better sailor, man. You know, that's going to make you a better man. That's, it's always going to be more rewarding. That's awesome, man. Um, I, I love that one that you just shared. I've never heard that before. And I, it's a, it's a great twist on the quality versus quantity, uh, conversation. Um, you know, we're, we got to start wrapping up here as we're, as we're coming towards the end of our time. And one of the things that I know you and I both really share and, and you're a strong champion for it is, is physicality and how, how that's really important, uh, for all people, but especially for men. So can you, uh, can you speak a little bit to that? Why you think it's important and some of the, some of the ways you're approaching that and, and teaching people these days? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Physicality has been, it's for me, it's like probably, the most important thing that I can do for, for myself. Um, and it's always been that way. I've always been a physical guy since I was a kid. Um, you know, but looking at bigger than myself, why I think physicality is so important for men is because I think I truly believe that there is a, there's a primal aspect of us men that is meant to move, meant to like, grunt meant to sweat and meant to be tested physically. Um, I think you can, I mean, for me, it's just like, I just look at little boys, you know, and there's, and like, you know, from toddler to probably up to adolescent is just like, there's just like an L boys just like wrestle. And there, there's this physicality. There's this, there's this contact. That's, uh, that's just part of the way we tick. And that's how I see it. And, you know, of course people can disagree with that, but like, for me, that's, that's, I hold that to be true for myself. Um, and the other thing that has really changed my life uh, through physicality is the ability to trust myself, the ability to push myself, uh, the ability to believe in myself. All those really come from physicality for me. Um, those small wins, you know, whether it was like when I was younger and I was, uh, you know, I wanted to bench 200 pounds or now, you know, uh, climbing and I want to climb that like 11A, that 11B, um, whatever it is, it's just like the pursuit of that goal um, sharpens my focus. It sharp, sharpens my drive. And uh, when I actually complete it, it, it gives me this sense of, of uh, satisfaction, the sense of like self-worth that for me undoubtedly carries over to all other aspects of my life. You know, so for, so these days what I'm doing is uh, when I'm working with people, it's, you know, it's shining a light on that, how physicality is affecting the rest of their life. So for me, a lot, a lot of times how that starts is knowing that person that I'm working with more than their body and more than their injuries. Right. Um, so knowing, you know, for example, if I was working with you, knowing that, uh, knowing that, 
your son is in, incredibly important in your life, you know, knowing that uh, you're an entrepreneur and that you're going, you're trying difficult things that you don't do all the time, you know, so when I'm working with people, it's like I bring up those things while we're, you know, while I have them doing a run or while I have them going up a hill or while I have them do, do something where they're sweaty and working hard. Um, that's how I really try to tie it in. Mm. That's awesome, man. And you do it so well. I've seen you live and in the flesh doing that with people. It's it's incredible. And um, the way that you're able to bridge the gap between um, something like fitness oriented, something that you're doing just to get your body physical and how it actually connects and translates over into life, I think is what's really unique. And, um, you know, I know myself back when I was, you know, a gym rat and I'd get in there and I was pumping iron and doing bodybuilding shows. Um, I didn't think about how that was serving me outside of my life. It was, even if I wasn't thinking about it. But nowadays where I have that context and someone like you who reminds me that when I'm climbing on that rock face or when I'm charging up that mountain trying to get to the top, it, it allows me to show up stronger in other areas of my life. That's that's so that's so pivotal, man. So critical. Um, and and I think it's something that's really valuable that you're bringing to, to people out there in the world. Mm. Thanks, man. Yeah. And it's uh, for me, I, I won't say it's easy, but there's uh, there's like a natural there's a natural inclination to do it because like because it's been something that's really helped me, man, you know, and uh, it, it just it really makes sense for me. Um, and I think, you know, I there's the this this aspect of like connecting it to the rest of your life and also connecting it to uh I guess, I guess similar to like what yoga is doing, right. You know, connect, connecting that mind, body, spirit. And for me, it's, it's, it's the same thing, you know, that physicality, you tapping into your physicality helps and assist in you tapping into your spiritual, it helps and assist you into tapping into the mental plane, you know, which are all important to create whatever it is you want to create. Yeah, man. I love that. And, and it also comes back to nature too. You know, that, mm -hmm. like we said earlier in this recording that we are animals, you know, we are animals since we have some animal qualities, even though we're, you know, more civilized and socialized now. Um, so being able to channel that animal energy that still lives in us and to conjure it up is, mm -hmm. it's just really powerful, man. It's great to see it in action. And, you know, what, what we'll have to do is we'll have to do another recording where we really dive into movement and transformation and spirituality because you weave those things together better than anybody I know, anybody I've ever met or seen. So mm -hmm. um, we'll have to book you for another recording. How's that sound? That sounds great. I'll add one more thing about physicality that I absolutely love. Yeah. Yelling. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, where else in my life can I just like yell from like the bottom of my stomach, you know, other than climbing or running or doing something, you know? So very important for men to yell. We need to do that and not yell at our children, not yell at our spouses, not yell at our um, people that we're managing at work, you know, yell at yourself. Uh, oh, that's I'm, I'm glad we finished on that note, man, because I think part of being a, a grown man, a responsible man is being able to channel that frustration, that that energy that shows up as aggression and not directed at the people that we love in our lives, not depend, not directed at anyone else, but take responsibility for it and get it out so that we can mm -hmm. get on with our lives. Yes, sir. Right on, brother. Well, um, listen, man, if uh, some of the people who are listening here, I'm sure are going to want to check out the things that you're into, what you're creating in the world. So, uh, so tell us how we can follow you, find you, get to work with you. 
yeah, so up to a lot of interesting things these days. Um, you can definitely check me out at themoveu.com. Uh, it's a great physicality project that Jetty and I have been working on over there. Uh, for more of my personal stuff, you can check me out on Instagram at Rufio with the zero. I'm sure you're going to put it on the show notes. Uh, so you can check me out there. And be on the lookout. What I'm really been working on now is developing an outdoor workshop slash retreat uh, where you can get people out of their day to day and really tap into that physicality, spirituality, and breaking through for that transformation that you're looking for. That's awesome, man. I'll be sure to include all that information in the show notes so that anyone who wants to follow you uh, can can check you out and see all the cool things that you do. Um, lastly, I'll just say, man, I'm, I'm so grateful that you agreed to come on here and to dive deep. I, I respect you deeply and you're so you're so honest and that's such a rare quality these days. And, uh, and I know that you see that as being beneficial to anyone who's listening. So thanks again for being on here, bro. And I look forward to getting you on here again soon. What an episode. It was such an honor to bring Phil onto the show today and to share him and his amazing wisdom with all of you guys. I hope you got as much out of this episode as I did. It was a great opportunity to reflect on how far we've come in the 14 years that we've known each other. We've literally watched each other grow through just about everything on our journeys to becoming the men we are today. And we're still standing strong, supporting each other in our lives and on our missions. So. Hope you got a lot of value out of this episode. As always, I want to give you guys a few reminders. Make sure you check out the show notes and links and resources by going to therisingmanpodcast.com. We also have every other episode that's been published up until now hosted at that site. So please make sure you check it out. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to the newsletter so that you guys get all the most recent updates, content, and opportunities that are coming to the Rising Man community. Also, please leave us a review. It really helps other people find this podcast. Leave a review, leave a rating. Let us know what you think of this episode. We read these things, guys, because we want to make this better and better for you every time. If you haven't already, make sure you join the Rising Man Facebook community at facebook.com groups slash the Rising Man. This is where we're going to talk and discuss some of the topics that come up from every episode. We're also going to have questions and interactive dialogue every week, every day with men from all over the world who are tracking the Rising Man movement. So if you're not already a part of the community, make sure you sign up today, get yourself an invite, get on board, introduce yourself to the other men. And as always, make sure you reach out to us on Instagram at the Rising Man Pod and for me at Jedi Azuma. And contact us by reaching out on the website at therisingmanpodcast.com. Leave comments, leave questions, let us know how we're doing. All right, last but not least, shout out to Sean Offenbach over at Less Than Three Records at Less Than Three Records. That's spelled out T H R E E. He is my audio engineer, Jedi Master, who makes these episodes just sound incredible. So be sure to check him out, check his workout. He's on the rise. And until next time, Rise up and claim your destiny.